back, guys, to another episode of Grande Sports Training, The Winner's Circle. This is episode, episode three. Today we have a very special guest, former teammate of mine, the young, speedy, dangerous lefty down the wing. His name is Valentin Saveria, plays for Charlotte Independence of the USL Championship. Valentin, how are you doing this morning? What's up, bro? I'm doing good. You? I'm doing fantastic, man. I just want to thank you for coming on today. Uh, I know with quarantine, it's been tough keeping a schedule. How have you been yeah. dealing with that? It's been, it's been tough. You know, some days uh, you wake up uh, early and you go to sleep bed early. And other, other days you go to sleep at whatever time you honestly fall asleep. But it's, it's tough maintaining it, but it's something I try to do. And, and how, how have you been dealing with that, though? Have you been, you know, even though you go to sleep late or wake up late, do you still get your training session in? You still, you still stay disciplined? Of course. I've actually, I guess I've, uh, this quarantine has kind of helped me become more disciplined because uh, I've also, having so much free time, I try to incorporate better in new habits, and that's something I've also been doing. So it's not just that I've only been uh, training. I've, I've also incorporated, I'd, I'd say, uh, you know, I've started doing yoga to in, increase my flexibility. You know, I've started reading books uh, for to improve my mindset and stuff. So I've been kind of like working on myself a lot, which has has honestly helped me. That's awesome. That's awesome, buddy. And what what led you to do all those all those things? Like, why did you want to improve yourself? What's your main reason? And why? And I mean, I got so much time in my hands right now. And if I was just staying here, sitting at home, and just playing, I guess FIFA all day, it'd be a waste of time. You know, um, why? Why not when I have so much uh, time on my hands try to improve myself? And also, it's, I, I personally think it's about creating mindset, you know, creating, a, uh, I guess, a, a way for me to keep living after this quarantine is over and keep improving myself and being able to reach the next level. Did you, did you have somebody that pushed you to, to work on yourself like that? Or did you, it just come naturally to you? I mean, it's always it's always good for me to have. Uh, I always stay in touch with my close friends and my my family, you know. Uh, so that always helps. But at the end of the day, it's not like somebody told me hey, do this, and you're gonna help. It's maybe we recommend you do this, and you can see the results for yourself. You know, like yoga. Like I started on my own. Like I was just me searching up stuff. You know, I was like, dude, I'm tired of having pain without when I don't have practice. You know, so how can I improve? So I searched up. And I started doing yoga. We'll see in the long run if it helps out. That's awesome. No, because it's interesting because a lot of, you know, people that are listening to this, I want them to understand that, you know, having discipline doesn't come from one day to the other. And, you know, you were just able to take all this free time in your hands and convert it into something positive and where you can, boom, improve yourself in a, in a different way, not only on the soccer field. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's kind of like what you have to do. It's tough. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say it's it's easy from one day to the next to start waking up at eight a.m. working out at ten. You know, I don't know eating healthy and then working out in the afternoon again. No, it's not easy. But it's something that if you make it, I guess, habitual. You know, like make it something normal. Your body will get used to it and you'll start enjoying that. So that's that's what it's important. Yeah, yeah. So Ali, let's 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 uh let's jump right into it. Let me ask you. That one game with the Florida Soccer Soldiers in the U.S. Open Cup, that you had all eyes on you, and you're 20 years old, such a, at a, such a young age, it changed your life. 
how what was going through your mind on that one goal? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Walk us through it. Oh, I mean, I knew the I'm not that I knew, but I mean, uh, obviously, like I watch a lot of different soccer players, and one of the ones that I watch is uh, Suarez. Yeah. And, and Suarez always, you know, he's always trying to like bother defenders, read back passes, all these type of things. And I knew I'd, I'd seen him do it multiple times. So that was kind of like my mindset behind the goal in terms of like, okay, he might give it back. So I kind of like played it. Like I went, okay, let me just guess. I took a guess and uh, and it came. You guessed right. You guessed right. <laughs> I guessed right. You know, we were a man down. So it was just like, I guess like luck in that sense. Uh, but then everything from there, I just, I don't remember anything like, I don't remember anything. The only thing I do remember is cramping up. That's the only thing I remember. You know, we were celebrating. I started cramping places that I've never cramped before. And it was like, I can't take this. Um, I even asked, I, I asked Danny Godoy, the coach, for a sub. Because I was like, dude, I can't. He's like, wait on. Well, hold up. He's like, we got penalties coming up. <laughs> I was like. Oh, man. No, I was watching that game live. And I was just like, man, I know this is what this guy did in practice. This little, you know, speedster just weaving in and out of everybody. But the best part I loved was when you faked and then the defender went sliding by and then just tapped it in. The celebration, like I felt that. I was like, man, this guy must be feeling millions of emotions right now. And then everybody just came running to you. You know what I mean? That was crazy. After you, I asked my teammates, I was like, whoa, what were you guys doing? Because some of my teammates said some of them laid to the ground and just looked at the play while it was happening. Others started praying like halfway through the play. Like everybody <laughs> a lot of different range of emotions. And it was also awesome because in that team, you know, you had such different backgrounds, such different, like we were all Latin, but yet such different, um, how do you call it? Uh, you know, upbringings, I guess, and stuff like that. And a lot of people that fight it day to day, you know. La pelea, day to day. And that, to me, means a lot. And you saw it the way we played and stuff. So it was, it was just yeah. awesome. But, uh, and and how, how important was it to you having that, that team environment? Because I, I know Danny Godoy, big shout out to him. He's, he's a fantastic guy, fantastic coach, fantastic player. But uh, the training environment that he created or the, the environment that he created in, within that team, how much do you think it impacted the performance on the field? I think it was, I think it was, uh, super important. I wouldn't, I don't, if I had to like do a scale, I, I wouldn't know where to put it, but I know it's definitely at the top because the, how we got on off the field translated to how we played on the field and his training sessions and how hard we trained. Yeah. At times stuff were annoying. You know, you don't always like what the coach does or what the coach says. You got to do it and you're doing it for a reason. And at the end, you you saw the results of the training sessions and the effort we put in because it was shown. What were the words that he told you before that game? Like, what did he tell the squad? Ooh, what was wow. his pack talk? Do you remember? I don't. I don't. I just I just know that our goal was to play against the MLS club. Uh, so we were always fighting to be that. But we had a lot of positive people within the squad, not just Danny, a lot of positive people and guys with a lot of professional experience. So that really helped because they knew, for them, it was just one more game, you know? Mm -hmm. A person like me, it was kind of like, yo, this is the Open Cup, you know? Like, you, you can make a name for yourself here. Yeah, 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 no, 100%. And I know uh, before that, where, where were we playing, uh, Vale? Before Saga Soldiers, before making that jump, 
So before that, I was playing for a team called FC Florida. Uh, I played there for probably about a year, I'd say, and I was just playing with them. But it wasn't like I could train with them because they tra they played in Boca. Uh, I mean, I'd go on the weekends. I'd stay at the coach's house and train with him and put in like three, four sessions on the weekend. And then sometimes on Fridays, but that would be a drive, man. That'd be like an hour 30 drive. So it'd, it'd take me a minute. Uh, to like, but so that hour 30 drive. No, I know that sacrifice you have to make. Um, I personally lived it. Uh, I've had training early in the morning. I had to be at the field by nine, but I lived like almost two hours away. So I had to take the train by like 5 a.m. So through that sacrifice, I know a lot of things went through my mind. What was going through your mind? Did you ever think like, man, like, I just got to find another club. But at the same time, you saw that you were getting value from that one coach in those training sessions. So what, what pushed you to keep going? I mean, then again, like, you know, I am very critical of myself. But at the same time, I do know kind of like maybe where I stand on things. Mm -hmm. And I know that the training environment I was being put in uh, by going to Boga was much higher than any training environment I could find. Uh, within like my range of 20 miles i'd say you know or 25 miles uh so that was definitely it and the, and obviously the the training coach over there uh his name is cesar montes um and his training sessions are you know second to none some of those training sessions i've ever had uh, that really helped me because uh, at the time i was only playing high school ball you know and while it's all fun you know to be play with your friends the level we all i think we all know at least in south florida is there for high school ball um so it was definitely uh it was definitely tough at times you know because you're driving there an hour 30 sometimes it'll you know you know miami traffic bro it turns into two hours yeah you know like and you're just there in the car and you're like dude where am i gonna get there you know is it really worth it just to train for an hour 30 and then drive back yeah you know? yeah the only thing keeping you alive is that playlist on that one hour drive Huh? Pretty much, man. <laughs> yeah, just repeating the same. Like, yo, I already heard this song, man. <laughs> oh, man. That, that's awesome, though, man. That's awesome because I know uh, I've had that question from a lot of players. Like, oh, you know, an hour to drive to practice, an hour to drive back. Is it worth it? Should I go? And, you know, they need to understand that they're not the only ones in that pro those problems. You're from Argentina, and I can imagine – what the kids, what the players do to sacrifice to make it to training. Um, you were born in, in Argentina, correct? Yeah, Buenos Aires. Okay. So at what age did you uh, move here to the States? I moved in 2006. Okay. How old were you? I was six at the time. I hadn't even turned seven yet. Okay, okay. But growing up, and that, that little time that you were in Argentina before you moved to the States, um, you were exposed to the game, obviously. Um, what, what was your, your earliest memory about that, about the Our beautiful game? Is playing at a, like a, like a rec league at a, at like a club over there. Um, and over there you have clubs that like, like they have all types of sports kind of thing. Um, you know, so I was playing at a rec league there and that's where I, I I'm two of my best friends, uh, that I stay in touch with to this day. I, I met him playing there and stuff. Um, and that's that's my earliest uh, memory, I'd say. Of, uh, and who was your your favorite player at the time? Do you remember? When I was that young. Yeah. Did you have one? 
Yeah, I definitely say I'd have I'd probably two. I go with two. Um, so Marcelo Salas, the Chilean forward. Yeah. And Ariel Ortega. Uh, he was a crafty little center attacking mid. Okay. Would you say they at that age, you know, watching these players play? What what went through your mind? Did you did you think like, man, I want to be like them when I grow up? Or did you just appreciate their great play? I mean, as a kid, I mean, I don't know. I think I, I, it was hard for me to appreciate their great play. You know, like, usually as a kid, what catches on to you is, like, flashy moments, mm -hmm. I guess. And, for example, Salas had a, a celebration he'd always do. He played for my hometown club, Bolivar. And there was a celebration he'd always do that he'd just kneel down on one knee and then point up to the sky. So I have pictures of that as a kid doing that. And also the fact that I always look at uh, – Left, left uh, for the players because I'm lefty. Yeah, yeah. And he played it like as a, as a center forward kind kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So kinda, I kind of like identified myself with him being a lefty and all. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I do remember, I remember more about Salas than Ortega at that age. Okay, okay. No, that, that's awesome, man. Because I know at a young age, we just play for fun. We just imitate our idols. We imitate our favorite players. Um, but, you know, I've come across some younger players that, that, like, at six, seven years old, they're already training their ass off, and they want to, you know, I'm going to be a professional player. Yeah. And I was just wondering if that went through your mind at one point. You know, for me, it went, it went through my mind later, later on. Um, for you, when did that happen? When did that transition in your mindset be like, I want to be a pro player? Like, I love, I love everything about it. Like, this is what I want to do. Do you remember at what age? Yeah, I think always. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I'm not going to say four or five years old because that's when I couldn't concentrate. But ever since I had, I guess, common sense and knowledge, you know, uh, definitely probably probably 11, 12 years old, I started noticing, like, okay, like, this is what I want to do. This would be awesome. Imagine getting a paycheck. There's one thing I want to – I want to point out there that you told me uh, sometimes, you know, um, I don't want to sidetrack though, but I see kids, you know, six, five, six, seven years old. And I see them training super hard at that age, you know, and stuff like that. And to me, that's fine. You know, like you want to train that hard. That's fine. But at the same time, don't forget, you know, to have fun and enjoy. I mean, I don't know for me, like growing up, my best training wasn't, you know, let me get a ladder, quick feet, you know, shoot top bins, uh, you know, run back, shuttle, shuttle runs, you know, it was, I don't know, getting outside, playing with my friends, tight spaces, you know, that's where I think you get, that's where for me, that's my best training to get, you know, tight spaces, good football, quick, quick feet. That's uh, when I go to Argentina, that's all I do in the street. And that's, I think that's the best thing. Uh, training. So like, sometimes I see little kids and maybe their parents even put so much focus on them, uh, training so hard at such a young age, some, some of those kids don't make it to 18, 19 because they get burned out mentally and physically, you know, because it's like, dude, I'm tired of this. Like, I want to break. I want to live, you know? Oh, yeah, no, 100%. I totally agree with you. I think at that age, it's, it's more important to have fun rather than, you know, try to be the best every single day. Like, at six, you don't even know what that means. Exactly. Seven years old, you don't know, you even know what that means. You know, you're going out to play in the street with your friends, you just look at it as like a way to escape from school and, and chores at home. 
getting away from mom and dad, you know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. And you just need to have fun at that age. But, you know, if you said, like, at 11 or 12, like, you know, we grow up, we start having a more, you know, uh, common approach to what we want to do, more common sense and everything. What do you mind? This is what I want to do. So were there ever steps that you would take, like, at that age, like, okay, today I'm going to juggle a thousand times or pass the ball against the wall a thousand times, um, little by little, or did you just keep playing naturally? Like, what was, did you have a different approach when you kind of shifted that mindset? Um, I mean, I do remember doing, like, sit-ups and push-ups at home uh, as a kid. Nothing that I keep a schedule on. Okay. And I do remember, I'm talking, like, 12, 13 years old. Um, and I, I do remember every now and then going to train with my dad. Um, but that's something I kind of like, I talk to some of my friends that still play to this day and I look back on and I'm like, only if I took advantage of the time, you know, because sometimes mm -hmm. a lot of that time that I was, that I spent playing FIFA, like now I, I can look at it more mature because I'm 20 years old. I've been through it. I can see it from another perspective. Uh, but when you're in that moment, it's kind of tough, you know, all your friends are playing FIFA and then you're out running and you feel like an idiot, you know, because it's like, it's not cool. It's not the cool thing to do. It's cool to go hang out, you know, go to Starbucks. I mean, at that age uh, and stuff, but I, it's something I regret definitely not training, maybe not as hard, but maybe like, I don't know, technical stuff and stuff like that. I'm not trying to turn into like a, an, an athletic freak. Uh, yeah. Everything is a ball, you know. Of course, of course. And at what, at what age did you realize like, like, okay, like around 11 or 12, you said, this is what I want to do. And there must have been an age that you realized that you were good. You were a good player. And you're like, damn, this is, this is what I'm going to do. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean. Because wow. you, you know, when you're, when you're good, you know, you know, little things, the way you engage us, the way you cut back, the way you shoot. And then you see your friends or some other players, they don't know how to do that. You know, at what age did that cross your mind? No, for sure. Um, I definitely knew. I definitely knew I was good. I didn't know, obviously, how good. And I still don't know how good I am to this day. You know, that I leave it to other people. But um, I guess you could say fourth, fifth grade, because we played pickup, you know, during recess and stuff like that mm. when I was in school. And, uh, and I know I'd always be, like, the one scoring or the one with the ball and stuff like that. And yeah. I'd be able to take people on. And as a little kid, that grows your ego. You know, you're like, oh, wow, I'm beating all these guys. here, You know, so definitely, yeah, fourth, fifth grade, I started noticing. I was like, okay, I'm pretty good at this, you know. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. No, yeah, it, it definitely happens. I know it's crossed my mind. And I know a lot of these younger players, it crosses their mind, too. They're like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm the best 10-year-old in South Florida. Or I'm the best 12-year-old or whatever the case is. And that's good. I think it's a good thing to, to believe that you're the best, sure. right? Because if you're not the one supporting yourself, nobody else is going to support you. So mm -hmm. you got to support yourself first, 100%. You can be as cocky as you want, everything in the mirror, you know, but when it's time to, to actually play in front of everybody, you got to humble yourself down a little bit and then take yourself for what you really are. You know, the reality of things. Because sometimes I know a lot of these players be living in their head they go out on the field and they don't show up and then it's just a backlash to them. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, now, Vale, now that you're 20 years old, you still got a long way to go, man. 
you know, but what I appreciate about you is I feel like you're very mature on the field as you are off the field for your age. Because right. um, we have a lot of other 19, 20, 21, 22 year olds that act totally different. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And how was it the first day you stepped into that professional locker room, that professional environment? Who did you talk to? What did they say to you? If you don't mind walking us through that first day from the time, you know, you arrive in Charlotte, literally, from the day you, from the time you woke up, what was going through your mind? How, how was that? So it was tough uh, saying bye to my family for the first time ever. Uh, something I knew also was that, like, in my mindset, at least, and this is my way of thinking when this opportunity presented, presented itself was, okay, I'm going to go away. And to me, in my head, coming back home to live, you know, if it's not for soccer-related reasons, to me, I'm a failure. But that's in my head, you know. I'm not saying people are failures because of that, but that's my head. And um, so that was tough, you know, saying bye to my family. I, 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 was, I was just finishing my second semester of college. Um, I didn't think I was going to leave home, you know, so that's kind of like I couldn't process it. So then I got here. Uh, they picked me up at the airport. It was an early flight, I remember. Also, so I was I was up at like three in the morning, you know, said bye to my dad. My dad took me. Um, and I arrived here like at six, seven, I think. And then I got taken to like get a medical, but it couldn't be done. So I just went to the training session, uh, had the chance to meet, you know, my teammates. Um, and I just sat outside because I, you know, I hadn't gotten my, my medical done. And once they showed me a locker room, it was kind of like overwhelming, you know. Um, I was also very shy because it was my first time in a professional environment. So, like, for example, like, I remember I saw pictures, but I was taking pictures, like, low-key of the locker room just in case. <laughs> I, I was like, hmm. Yo, I'm, I'm here. I made it. Check it out. <laughs> yeah, I can't check it out. No, but it was just, like, sent to my parents. Like, yo, look, my locker room's got my name on it, you know. Like, <laughs> look at that, you know. Um, so definitely that. And then when I got to the locker room, uh, I remember the players were upstairs. They were having a meeting. Um, so then they got down. I said hi to every single one of them. Uh, and then mainly, uh, I guess I, I talked to the Hassan Adam. Uh, he, I think he was in Miami FC. I don't know if he's still there right now. I think he was out on loan from Cincinnati. Uh, but he was next to me in the locker room. So I talked to him. And then, yeah. And then eventually I just moved into my, my apartment. and. It was completely empty. Like there, I had a roommate already, one of my teammates, but it was completely empty. So I, for example, first night, I think I slept with a towel because I had no sheet. <laughs> but you know, it's just these things that like they come with the with the process, and you just have to appreciate them. Like I personally appreciate them. I'm like this is awesome. You know, like even if I'm sleeping with a towel, I sleep with a towel next six months if I get to stay here. You know, so yeah. It was, no, it was, and and it's so interesting that you say that. It's interesting that you said. If I go back home, I'm going to see it as a failure, you know, and, and it's just interesting to me that you say that because, you know, in reality, you're coming back home to your parents, you're coming back home to the lifestyle that you're used to, right? Yeah. So in reality, it's not a failure, right? But in your mind, it was because you wanted to play pro so bad. That was your main goal in your life. You achieved it. You went. And then you're like, I have to make it by all means here. I have to prove myself by all means. See, and not many people think that way. Vale, that's, that, that's why it's so interesting to me. And you're, 
at a young age thinking that way it's 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 awesome and what what do you think like I know obviously coming back home and not signing that pro contract and staying you saw it as a failure but what scenarios played out in your head like mm. taking it from like the best case scenario that you signed starting 11 etc to the worst case scenario that you know you don't make it you come back and then what would Valentin Savela do if he didn't make uh, the team in, in Charlie and he came back what would what would you have done so my, I mean, my mindset, obviously when you sign a contract, you know, you have to play it out um, and you have to, uh, what's it called? Both parties have to like play it out. You know, it's not just one unless something drastic happens. So uh, my mindset going into it was, you know, okay, there's, I'm going to be at a level I've never been before. You know, there's going to be players that are physically fast or uh, physically better and are much more skillful than what I'm used to. Um, and, you know, the only thing I told myself from day one, you know, it's just I'm going to work as hard as possible. You know, I'm going to be one of the hardest workers in the room. So at least the coach sees my effort, you know, because I want this. You know, I don't want to just come here, you know, and just enjoy the view, you know, and like, oh, this is all nice, you know, and just go back home. I want to stay here and I want to grow from here. I want this to be just a start, you know. So that's the way I took it. That was my mindset. Um like, I guess, best possible scenario, you know, coming here, I guess what happened, you know, I came here and after, I think, after three, the first three games I didn't play, I was on the bench. And then the fourth game I debuted. And then from there, I did not come off the field, meaning I played, I started, or I came off the bench, you know, and to get minutes at all costs was my, my goal. Uh, and then, uh, and then that's what happened. And then this year, you know, my goal was obviously to, you know, start as many games as possible because I already had six months under my belt. Mm -hmm. See, this this virus thing happened. Uh, but I guess, you know, putting in the effort, uh, I think, was number one for me. Because also it's something not that just the coach will see, but I guess I will notice too because as you're putting in the effort, you're going to get better, you know. Yeah, it kind of gives you that sense of, like, confidence when you step onto exactly. the field, right? You just know what you're doing. You're getting You're getting everything done. They're like, I'm doing the things right. I'm doing the little things right. But that's interesting because you sign the contract. That's when the real work happens. That's when it starts. Yeah. Right? Did you ever have a sense of like, damn, I made it when you stepped on the field for the first time? Or when did that like hit you? Like my dream, like my dream came true. It kind of... I guess when they went to pick me up at the airport, I had never had somebody else go pick me up at the airport. I mean, I had one time, but it was for like a trial, mm -hmm. um, but as a kid, but this time it was like, here, we're going to pick you up. Here's all your clothes. You know, this is all for you, your name, your number. And it was like, you get to keep it at the end of the season. I was like, wow. <laughs> you don't have to give it back. Yeah, exactly. And, I, and then I got interviewed and I was like, this is my first interview. Like, this is awesome. You know, um, were you nervous? Yeah, I was nervous because my and it happens to me to this day you know that uh all the guys that are here um uh, and the guys that were here last year they're either guys that are coming from loan from the mls guys that have played in the mls uh guys that have long careers whether in the usl mls or europe uh guys that have uh, even if they're young they have good academy backgrounds meaning they played in european academies or mls academies i have none of that 
you know, minus straight scratch, you know, you scored against us, you had a good game against us, here's your contract, you know, um, so that I kind of, I feel like it always plays in my mind at times because, you know, you just kind of say like, you know, these guys maybe see me different, mm. uh, but I do remind myself, you know, I'm here for a reason. I'm not here for, because they just needed like a, like a backup or anything like that. I'm here because they think I'm good enough to be here, you know? So, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Do you feel like you constantly need to prove yourself day in, day out? Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Uh, every, do, you, do you think your background plays a big part of that? Like you don't have the same background as some of these other players? I don't or it's think just it, a personal thing? No, no, I don't think it plays a mind. And I, I, I mean, I wouldn't be able to say if it plays a, a part in the coach's mind. I don't think it does. Uh, for you, I, for you. Oh, no, for me, um, for me, yeah, at times it does, you know. At times, I don't know, like something's happened or something's are explained to you, and you're like, no, this is so stupid. Like, I know this, bro. I'm just, I just, you know, you, sometimes, you know, you just haven't been doing what you're supposed to because you're just like somewhere else in your head, you know. Yeah. Um, and they explain some things to you, and it's like, would you really explain it to me if I came from the MLS, you know, stuff like that. And I'm not talking about a coach. I'm talking about, like, you know, something. But it, you just, you know. Me also being one of the youngest ones, uh, I just, you know, uh, in Spanish, you say, you swallow saliva, you know, you swallow, mm -hmm. breathe in, breathe out, and you're like, yes, okay. And you just yeah. keep getting with it, you know. <laughs> no, and th that's also interesting you say that because I, I feel like a lot of younger players, you tell them stuff that they quote-unquote already know, and they just, like, you know, brush it off. Like, it's it's different from, like, accepting it listening to it and then taking in what you want taking in what you don't want but it's different when the you know other players are like yeah yeah like i get it i get it i get it you know they kind of like brush it off they don't actually listen to what you're saying I used you, know? To be <clears throat> you know yeah. but now that you're in a professional environment it's like your mindset changes it's like yeah you know what they're talking about you know what you need to do but you kind of like accept it first you listen to what they're saying and you take what you want and you take what you don't want you know I actually, I, mean? I yeah, I changed that mindset at 16. Um, that was because uh, that was a uh, I had a coach, and uh, and we would not always see eye to eye in the way we played and the way his practice were and the way he used to give out stuff, you know. And I was captain of the team, um, and it was very frustrating for me. And I don't remember when, but I I remember I do remember like just one day I clicked and I was like, okay, starting now, any coach that I've had along my life starting, I mean, I'd say starting from U13, like I said, when I can like think straight, I remember, um, I'm gonna listen to everything, you know? And every coach, every coach, even if it's, I guess, good information or bad information, it's at the end of the day, I, I tend to make it good for myself. What do I mean by that? That if I notice something's bad, then this is good information for me because I'm not gonna use that. If I notice something's good, I'm gonna take it in and I'm gonna apply it to my game. You know what I'm yeah, I get that. I get that. Did uh, did you learn that from somewhere, or did it just naturally happen? I think it did. Did anybody did anybody ever tell you like you know just listen to what they have to say, accept the criticism, take in what you need, take in what you don't, et cetera, et cetera? Did anybody talk to you about that, or you just naturally happened? I think it naturally happened. I mean, I know. I remember, I was very stubborn as a kid. Um, and my parents would always talk to me. I remember, I remember there was countless nights where they would like talk to me and they were like, 
dude, it's not the world against you, you know? <laughs> it's like everybody's having a problem and it's with you. And I would be thinking as a kid, no, it's the world, you know, everybody hates me, everybody's mad against me, you know, teachers, you know, coaches, teammates, whatever. And I guess that one day I was just like, hold up, like, maybe they, they're, they're kind of right, you know? Uh, and that's when I guess I did some, uh, uh, I looked inside, I guess, that's how you say in Spanish. And uh, I noticed, I was like, okay, I'm going to try to, you know, just try to have a positive mindset at all times, like turn something bad into a positive. That's, that's amazing. That's amazing. No, and it's, it's really nice to hear from a young player like you. Um, Cause you can take some of these adults, they still don't understand that way. And you can apply all these little techniques to outside the pitch, which is awesome. And it just feels like you have a whole weight off your shoulders. You know what I mean? No, I agree. And I, you notice it, you know, when yeah. adults and they don't, they try to like, you know, like, no, it's this way. Look, I understand maybe it's that way, but this is my opinion on things, you know, you don't have to take it, but just. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I also feel like, you know, when you get in a changing room, that plays a big role because as a coach, you have players from different backgrounds, different childhoods, different, uh, you know, uh, cultures. But you're all in this one locker room together, right? So as a coach, from a coach's perspective, how does one apply, like, the same philosophy in the locker room, right? And if you're a player, I would assume you have an open mind to actually learn something new in my philosophy. You know what I mean? And it seems like you were able to adjust really well in, in Charlie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of, there was a lot of players that had – uh, I mean, pretty much every player that I played with uh, last year um, had very good backgrounds, uh, you know, successful backgrounds as players, whether it was 15 years in the MLS, where it was the top three national team, stuff like that. Um, and, and pretty much everyone was just, you know, uh, down to earth, humble. Uh, and, you know, and that, I think that plays a big role in, in how to, how the team looks on the field, you know. At times, obviously, we didn't get results last year. We we didn't make playoffs, but uh, but I guess in the locker room, uh, I I got along with everyone pretty well. That's awesome. That's awesome, buddy. Um, and you scored your first goal yet? Yeah, I scored in in August, I think. Eighth? No, the ninth of August, I think it was, or the eighth. Oh, you you remember the date and everything, huh? <laughs> I think one of those days, yeah. We debuted uh, Loudon. Loudon was debuting their stadium, and, and I scored the first goal over in that stadium, so I was pretty proud of that. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, went through your mind when you first scored that goal? Oh, what went through my mind? Uh, what did you dedicate that goal to? It was, I, I guess, mainly my dad. Uh, I mean, obviously, any anything I kind of do here, it's mainly for my family, uh, you know, because they've been my biggest support since day one. They know everything I've been through. Um, but definitely, I, I'd say my dad. I did a celebration one of the River players does. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, for example, when he scores, he just crosses his arm. You know? um, so I did that. And I think now that I remember, it was August 9th because uh, every 9th of every month, River fans, we remember the final against Boca, so <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was that day. 
Okay. Okay. No, that, 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 that's awesome, man. Um, did you ever think that, man, like I need to score soon. Like I want to, I want to have that feeling. How long, how long ago, how long was it since the day you arrived to the facility to the day you scored? How much time passed? I arrived June 6th. I scored August 9th. So three months. Took you three months to get the first goal under your name. Two, two months. Two months. Two months. All of June, all of July. Oh, June, June, June. Yeah, sorry. June. Two, June, two months. Um, Math is off. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, that's one thing I, I had to like. Like every team I played for, even soldiers, it was okay. Score every one or two games, some games score like three, two goals, you know, like stuff like that. And then I got here and I have one goal so far, you know, which to me plays a huge part in my in my head. I'm not used to this, you know. I don't and I don't want to get used to this, you know. So I'm trying to like work towards being able to score consistently and being able to not just score. Uh, but being able to provide offensively uh, consistently because that's what I'm used to. That's what I enjoy doing, you know. So that's one thing that I've, I guess I, I'm still adapting to. I, I, I have to find my way around it and being able to, I guess, do it and get into the rhythm of it. Of course, of course. And these these little goals and, and, and targets that you set for yourself, do you write it down or you just have it all in your mind? Uh, no, these are things I... I tend to have in my mind uh something i i mean writing it down something i do write it down on my uh, on my like cell phone notes um and i do have now like i started reading a book that comes with like exercises uh it's it's about neuroscience you know and it's for the mind it's in spanish and stuff and i bought like a little notebook uh, so i could handwrite it and do the exercises and that's something definitely i'm doing and sometimes in the book it asks you like okay write down your goals do this come back after after a month have you like, you know, like, uh, complete, I don't know how to say that, how to complete it. Have you completed yeah, have you, your goals? Your goals, you know, have you achieved them? Um, and it's not always, like I said, uh, it's not always, uh, like something like a number. Like it's not like, Oh, okay. Nine goals in this month. Maybe it's just like, okay, you wake up and you do yoga, uh, every other day, something like that. You know, like it doesn't have to be something like on the field, obviously, like yeah. I'm also life habits as well you know exactly it's the little building blocks that add up over time that just keep pushing you to to achieve whatever goal that you're trying to attain exactly right? yeah. yeah and it doesn't necessarily have to be on the field and then earlier you mentioned um that every ninth river fans celebrate the final against boca would you say that played a big role in your life following uh, such a big club like river Plate? Yeah, <laughs> I played a huge role. Uh, to me, Rivet is is everything, and when I mean everything, it's everything. Uh, you know, like I don't. It's tough, man. I, you know, I'll put I'll put Rivet up there with my family. That's that's what I'm talking about. Like, um, because you know, I've just been through everything as a River fan. Um, I mean, I don't know if you probably know about River's history, but. River has always been an extremely prestigious club along the oh yeah wide uh, most players in the Argentinian national team from any club in the world you know like stuff like that and then in 2011 when I was I was about to turn 12 uh, we went down we got relegated for first time ever you know uh, which was crazy you know and I remember just crying with my dad that day you know uh, that was and 
and then being able to go through the club's toughest years and then being able to now go through the club's, I guess, best years, you know, uh, that helps me a lot just because I also read a lot into what the players do. You know, I read a lot. I have a, I get news from like a news site that River has and I read all their interviews. I read, I watch all the videos they have, you know, I watch flashbacks, stuff like that, just because I like to like see what other players feel and what other players say. And I guess kind of like, like I said before, you know, what I like, I take it in. What I don't like, I'll just leave it out. Oh, for sure, for sure. No, and everybody in the world knows about the River Boca rivalry. Um, mm -hmm. And if you don't know, I don't know what rock you've been living under, but <laughs> that rivalry, um, you grew up watching it. And I can only imagine the feeling of like, Everything that all the emotions that you feel in, in in those games that you watch, the goals that you score, you know your club scores when you get scored on, everything. It's it's an emotional roller coaster. Um, but I feel like you know growing up watching that, it kind of like creates an environment in your mind that kind of like, damn, I want to experience that. Did you ever feel that growing oh, up? Oh, uh, I had also I had trials at River in 2016. I was there for two weeks. Um, it must have been a great experience. Yeah, 100%. Uh, some of those guys are playing Argentinian youth national team. Some are playing Argentinian first division. There's one guy that actually got released by River when he was 18. He got chosen young player of the year last year here. Um, I stay in touch with him. He plays in San Antonio FC. Great player. Uh, super humble kid as well. And, uh, and to me, for example, I, have, I remember because I would train right there next to the stadium because River is a world within itself. Um, so you walk into the club and you have the training fields uh, right there. I remember every time I'd see the stadium, it was just so big, so colossal that I would, uh, I remember I would get emotional every time, every morning, and I would just get goosebumps, you know, and my goal to this day is just to, you know, I joke about it with my cousins and my uncles, and I'm like, my goal is to play at, you know, ponerme la de River, play for River one day, you know, that'd be, yeah. that'd be my family's biggest achievement. Yeah, no, that would be an amazing achievement. And, hey, man, I, I hope you can achieve it. 100%. <laughs> All right, but the million-dollar question is, if Boga comes knocking at your door with a big, juicy contract, would you take it? You can't answer. You can't answer. <laughs> no, no, I can. I can. I've gotten this. You know how many times I've gotten this question? I've gotten this question I before bet. I even went pro. Yeah, I bet you uh, have. That's, no, that's a big no. Uh, <laughs> I play for any club in Argentina, just not Boca. Uh, and it's also because, come on, let's think about it. If Boca comes and offers me a contract, you're going to tell me there's no other club in the world that wants me? I'll take a pay cut and I'll go somewhere else, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, that's amazing. It's, it's crazy how you have such a close relationship with your club, with your favorite club. I think that also plays a huge role in, in knowing – how much you love something, you know what I mean? So let me, let me explain a little bit. So for example, you love River Plate so much, you grew up with it, it's been installed, instilled in your, in your childhood, in your mind, in your heart, you know what that feeling's like, you know? It's like that you can apply that to other areas in your life. So for example, from you know, just having this conversation with you, I've noticed how much you love your club, I've noticed how much you love improving on yourself. 
I've noticed how much you just want to constantly be the best and prove yourself at your club now, right? So all that drive and dedication that you have have pushed you to the point that um, that you are today. And that's so interesting to hear. Yeah. Um, and I'm, you got to use that passion, you know, positively, you know, uh, and that's what I try to do, you know, because I, I don't know. I feel like, for example, kids now growing up in Miami, I never had a club in Miami, but now you have Inter Miami. So all these kids growing up, it's going to be so awesome for them. And I think it's going to be such a culture change because we also have such a Latin community in Miami. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be such a culture change for them to be able to grow up, see their idols, meet their idols, you know, um, and know that they're a 30-minute drive away, you know, uh, and to be able to watch them every weekend and watch how you can improve and stuff. I think that also plays a huge role, you know. So I think that's awesome, like, for Miami, the fact that they now have a, a, a first division club. I think that's that's amazing yeah no i totally agree with you well mr vale i have two questions for you we always end with two questions on this podcast everybody's always answered me uh to end it and uh really simple questions yet complex questions um first one what is your definition of being a winner Put you on the spot a little bit. (laughs) Uh, I mean, my definition of being a winner. Being a winner, there's, I I feel like there's two ways of being a winner. There's a way of being a winner in my eyes. There's a way of being a winner in other people's eyes. Being a winner in other people's eyes means lifting the trophy at the end of the day. And being a winner in my eyes is, you know, busting my ass day in and day out knowing I'll be the best player I can be. And at the end of the day, lifting that trophy, my obsession is always going to be lifting a trophy, you know? So, um, so to me also, I think lifting a trophy takes a big part in being a winner, you know, because, you know, yeah, it's cliche to say, but uh, if you ain't first, you're last, you know, but 100%. But at the same time, you also, like, sometimes something I've learned to do is, you know, pat myself on the back at times. Like, I was talking to my agent the other day, and I look back at, uh, I look back at this time last year, I hadn't even signed a pro contract, you know? This time last year, I think I'm playing against Charlotte, actually. Yeah. So, so what I'm saying is, you know, you also got to, like, you know, got to pat yourself on the back, and you got to, like, support yourself and tell yourself, look at all the effort. You know, maybe you don't win the trophy. Maybe you lose the final in the last minute, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's extremely sad. But at the same time, you also got to look within and be like, look at all the hard work I put in. I performed, you know, stuff like that. Obviously, it's the same game. But you also got to, like, you know, be proud of yourself. Because if not, everything's going to be, a, like, a disappointment. Because only even the best the best lose at some point, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And then I lied. I have two more extra questions. Real quick. If you could... What advice would you give 10-year-old Valentin? I like this one because I usually get, what advice would you give uh, a little kid coming up, you know? And that's difficult. Yeah. Uh, but this one, I know a little 10-year-old Valentin. Uh, well, I tell myself, you know, that, uh, you know, at the end of the day, little 10-year-old Valentin doesn't know what's going to happen in the future, okay? So, you know, to just have fun, enjoy, but at the same time, 
when your dad tells you to go train and tell you to go do exercises, go with him, you know, because uh, he wants what's best for you. And if you really want this as bad as you say you do it and as bad as you, as bad as you, as much as you speak about it, then go out and, uh, and, and show that you want it, you know, don't just speak it, you know, uh, do it and work for it. Cause at the end of the day, the chances of you making it, uh, are going to be higher than if you're just sitting at home playing FIFA, you know, even if it's not the cool thing to do. Awesome. I love that answer. And then last one to finish this beautiful conversation. Where do you see yourself in the next five years? Next five years. You're still going to be young, man. You're only going to be 25. <laughs> yeah, but it's, a, it, it's wow, man. You it's, be, it seems so far away though, right? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> um, next five years. Well, I'm hoping uh, to make the the jump to the MLS at some point. But uh, five years, you know, I'd love to be in Europe. Uh, I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, I don't think I don't think it's unachievable. I don't think it's far. Oh, 100 percent. You can you can definitely make it. That jump to Europe. Well, yeah, okay. I, I I see you in the next five years in Europe also. I appreciate that, bro. Hopefully, we'll Honestly, yeah. five years' time and talk about it, bro. Oh, we will. We will. When you sign a, a nice little contract in Europe, I'm going to be calling you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Valentin, well, thank you so much for your time. It was a great uh, conversation with you. Guys, for you guys listening in, thank you for tuning in. Uh, this is the Winner's Circle, the podcast where we dive into the mindset of professional soccer players. If you guys have not already heard our other great interviews, go ahead and subscribe to our channel now. I appreciate it. Well, until the next time, hope you all have a great day. Valentin, thank you so much. Thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate it. All right, guys. Peace.